You're listening to an episode of the Break the Cycle podcast on the SVTV network. We live in interesting times. Um we're working a lot more, we're all stuck at home, and a lot of us are really 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 beginning to I hate to say it, rip our hair out with the amount of things we're trying to deal with. or rather should i say not deal with because a lot of us are not dealing with the way we feel and also not confronting situations head on this episode is primarily based around the stuff we haven't been dealing with at work and i couldn't think of a better guest than the one i have today and that is divya divya khanna and i have interacted roughly <laughs> eight times over two months no more than 20 to 30 minutes each except for this particular podcast which was about an hour long so this is going to be a long one but what she's taught me about mental health at the workplace and the importance of setting boundaries from someone who's doing it on a daily basis is invaluable i really hope you guys are able to use this information and if nothing else it makes you think i hope you enjoy the episode see you How long have we been planning this? Uh, a month? No, maybe two months. Two months. Yeah, two months. I was and the first time, and the first time I invited you, all I got was you got nothing to say. But I do still have nothing to say. <laughs> I still stand by that statement. Right. But let's see. Unless there's I mean, something, unless there's something I, you want me to say. See if if you have nothing to say this is probably the shortest episode I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see nothing does not necessarily mean no value. Mm-hmm. It just might be well it might be nothing to some and a lot to others. That's right. the beauty of the thing it's subjective. I agree. And okay. the best part is that I've known you for about I've known you for about 2 months and I know what you mean by when you say you have nothing to say. Yeah, I have noticed. Yeah, that yeah. one line has a lot. <laughs> Until you know, you get me started. Then Oh yeah, I I I think I know how to wind you up. <laughs> <laughs> right. How's it going for you lately? Considering we're all cooped up in our houses. So I have to say I know people are really uh interested in seeing how this whole work from home thing is going to work out whether both productively personally you know are people uh, are people responding to it are they receptive to it um mm-hmm. is it something that we see longevity to um so i can only speak for myself here um yeah. i have realized over the course of my career that i am better at working from home and that's because and i mean this in the nicest way possible mhm i'm not a people's person <laughs> uh, even though i'm in communications and people say that being a people's person is a very important skill mm-hmm. i have managed to survive 12 years without needing it uh so i think as um somebody who's not a people's person somebody who calls a large group of people no thanks mm-hmm. i uh, i am really loving this work from home thing 
Now, you're, you... one the, you're one of the few people who are saying that because uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a people's person either. I think that's one of the reasons why you and I, <laughs> the first things that you and I spoke about, contrary yeah. to popular belief, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's beginning to get to me. I understand. I mean, it's in a way it gets to me too, which is why uh, I was just going to say, you know how I work. I go to the office for like five or six hours to catch up with the teams because yes, I do realize that that is more fruitful. It is imperative when you can see somebody's body language and read their facial reactions to the things mm-hmm. you're saying versus when you're doing it on a call. But mm-hmm. that being said, because of the way I work, teams are accustomed to working with me remotely and uh, half of, I would say 50% of my workday is a work from home just because in strategy, I, I with strategy, I have my own process and that process has the perfect environment. It has the perfect um, decibel, noise, temperature. And there are certain things there to each person is own with me. I am typically OCD. So as a result of which, I feel like um, being able to kind of orchestrate that environment has worked out better for me. And in fact, I'm not, it's not that I am, uh, it's not that I'm engaging any less with the teams. In fact, on the contrary, I would think I'm engaging far more mm-hmm. um, because now they're open to engaging remotely or on calls versus, you know, face-to-face meeting. Yeah. And realized is, the one thing that we can take away from this is all of the dilly dallying that happens in meetings, which have which have risen, which have resulted in this meeting could have been an email. All of that <laughs> has kind. Of- you stole you stole the line that I was about to use, but yeah, go ahead. But you know what I mean? Like that's starting to stop. People are becoming more efficient with their time, especially when they're realizing that they have to balance work life and home life, and and you know. Uh, personal life, whether it's working out, whether it's catching up with family or mm-hmm. picking up some hobbies, whatever it may be. Uh, right. So there's less dilly-dallying, there's less time being wasted. And I think that's the reason why this is turning out to be efficient. But mm-hmm. going back to emotional state where you feel like, yeah, I think now is the time for me to, I think I need to see some human beings. I get it. I mm-hmm. get it. Um, it can take a toll on your mental health, which is why we're seeing everywhere that People are turning to online therapy. They're making sure they're working out. They're trying to eat healthy. They're trying to sleep more. All the yeah. things that we don't get to pay attention to through the course of the year. For the first time, we're getting the opportunity to put ourselves first. I mean, I'm speaking for our own group in this case, mm-hmm. where they've actually told us that we understand that you have to do things during the day, whether it's taking care of your kids, or even if you just want to break for an hour and you don't want people to disturb you. It's cool. Block your calendar and make sure nobody disturbs you just for an hour. Give yourself that time. And uh, speaking of that, that is what actually is going to bring me to our conversation of I have nothing to say about you is the onset and then therefore the consequences of depression and anxiety at the workplace. Yeah. Uh, I I do have a point here that I want to bring up. So you did mention about how we've we've all been asked and uh, for those of you for those of the people listening in who don't know uh, dk and i work together uh, in different locations but um 
the the concept of taking a break in between during the work day um while yes the internal stakeholders and your colleagues and stuff are not going to disturb you i feel that uh, there is a there's a point that a lot of our clients or a lot of clients in general considering it's a it's a weird territory for them as well just don't get the concept of a break in between cuz because I think we see a lot of people working more right now. Yes. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that's absolutely correct. In fact, um, this is why there's probably an increase in uh, people's mental health and mental mm-hmm. well-being is because all of a sudden we've lost the lines of a routine. So, you know, those that that 15 minutes in the morning that you keep for your coffee or the 30 minutes in the afternoon that you keep for lunch whether it's your cigarette breaks or your uh, evening chai break all of that routine helps us um stay sane during the course of the day the work day but when we're working at home those lines become blurred because all of a sudden the work is your home and the home is your workplace and all of a sudden finding that time to take a break for lunch or finding that time to take a break for a morning coffee or an evening chai it does not seem as feasible because people are stuck between balancing their personal and their professional lives mm-hmm. so i do believe that yes people are working more they are uh, there is and this is the result of not being able to find out how to balance it during the day so it's almost like we have to bring certain aspects of our workday back into our life like we do need to make sure we have a dedicated time for lunch so right. no matter what today 1 to 145 whether you're sitting with your family or you're sitting alone the point is you take those 45 minutes for yourself at 4:15 when you would norm- normally wait for the chai wala to come to the office you take those 15 minutes and you have a cup of tea yeah and like if you do those smaller things through the course of the day it becomes mm-hmm easier to manage but one is being mindful of it uh yeah. to realizing that there you are being given and again i'm only speaking for our own company because it is different for each organization but taking advantage of the flexibility you're being given at this point mm-hmm. and if you can prove yourself in this flexibility the the permutations and combinations to managing your work from here on just becomes limitless right That's actually an interesting thing to think about considering everything is going to change the second we're all back. I mean that's my view. I know a lot of people are probably going to be like, you know, uh, it's we're looking we're looking forward to some semblance of what it used to be. Um but I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you really think that things are going to be the same or similar when we're back in uh in the shared space of an office I don't think so mm-hmm. personally there are already you see even if the if you think about the way we as individuals are thinking about what we're going to do post this a lot of it is coming with a sense of caution you know all the decisions that you're going to make for after the lockdowns are over and people start traveling your first thing is going to be well should i wait a month before i travel or should i travel immediately and then <laughs> you'll have people who will travel immediately uh then you'll have people who will choose to hang back and then perhaps want to travel mm. so i th- things will change 
in the sense that maybe we will, will become a little bit more mindful about the decisions we're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might think a bit more about, okay, just on the top of my head, I, I've been looking at my Instagram feed since the lockdown. And yeah. the way, even what we're seeing on Instagram is starting to change. What we're realizing is um, people who have to orchestrate, and I, and, I'm, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but people who like to post things about their lives online yeah. when they're the indoors, um, it also limits the uh, persona that they're putting up outside. So all of a sudden, from being super social, you are now coming across as somebody who would rather sit and cook all day uh, because mm. they're enjoying it. Yeah. So I think a lot of that, a lot of the showmanship that people used to put on, us included, all of us as individuals, I think that showmanship is going to dial down because uh, there is some sort of existential epi- epiphany that has re- uh, that has resulted out of this. And that, I mean, come on, for the first time in the in a very long time, we've all thought that this is something that could kill all of us. So the threat of well, not the threat, the reminder of mortality, I think, will allow us to is now going to push us to do more meaningful things. Mm-hmm. Uh, each time that you're spending socially, you'll want to spend it with the people you want to spend it with. You're yeah. not going to do it seen at a party as opposed to going to that party because your friends want to go for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think there will be, I don't think, I think more than anything else, one, the fundamental definition of certain human truths will evolve and expand. Uh, mm-hmm. Online work on the new norm, work from home uh, through, the, through the year, through the week will become a new norm. And honestly, we've had so much time with our screens. It'll be so interesting to see if that drops down once people are yeah. allowed to go out and do things. So does that mean that our devices will no longer be our vices? It's a possibility. Maybe we realize that these are only extensions of us as long as we want them to be and don't have to be an actual replication of us that's offline. Right. So I think that is, I think it'll be behaviors and beliefs that will change. I mm-hmm. think hopefully, I hope that there there is humanity that is arising out of this and I hope that continues on a larger scale. I mean, let people be nicer to each other, whether it's even on the internet or at the workplace. I think we can all stand to be a little nicer to each other, especially in such trying times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that brings me that brings me to my next question. In fact, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. So uh, you and I have spoken about mental health uh, at the workplace uh, quite a lot. In fact, I've spoken about mental health uh, with a dear friend Tanvi on the show a couple of times. I want to take your perspective on that because it's I haven't seen a lot of discussions happen on mental health from uh, people at the workplace. I have seen them from mental health professionals. I have seen them uh, happen in the way of, yes, mental health is important, so stay safe. But uh, I want to hear your experience of uh, of that recently and in the past, considering that you have been championing it at at least here uh, in our group for a while. Uh, absolutely. So I think while you've said that, you're seeing it. Okay, so we're hearing corporates talk about it. We're talking, we're hearing HR talk about it. Uh, people themselves are using 
say exercise as a conduit for peace of mind. They're mm -hmm. using sleep and healthy eating and normal routines for peace of mind. I think the biggest thing that is a miss in the corporate world is firstly addressing the trigger of depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. So speaking from my own experience, when I was in my second year of my career, I used to head a pretty prestigious mandate in my previous agency. Uh, I was only nine months on the job, but the client, the client at that time, who was the head of communications, was very fond of me. Uh, was was happy with my level of commitment, and he himself decided. He told my boss that I want her to be the point person because I can then brief her and she can action it immediately, as a, as opposed to me speaking to you and then having it delegate, having you delegate it downward. So we'll just skip the middle step and I trust this person enough to go straight to them and know that they'll do a good job. And then this client of ours left and joined another, joined a competing company and an ex-employee from the agency, from my agency, joined in his place. Now mm -hmm. the thing is she was a disgruntled employee, which I had no idea about because again, I had only been in the company for nine months at that point mm -hmm. and she had left prior to me joining. So we had never worked together uh, we knew of each other, but it's very, like, I know who this person is, but I don't know who they are. So right. yeah. there was no personal um, acquaintance. There was no, there was no familiarity. There was nothing, none of that sort. And uh, when she joined, the first few months were fine. And then around the fourth or the fifth month, it's like something in her snapped. And because I was a point person on the account, I was the only person on the emails barring my boss and mm -hmm. two senior colleagues. And she just started it. At first, it started with, you know, feedback on uh, press releases, feedback on emails, uh, rewriting of plans. And not that it was wrong. Again, it was a thing about subjectivity. She was a writer. I'm a writer. We're all we as writers, we have different styles. Mm -hmm. What I so far was working for the client and now all of a sudden it stopped working for the client so obviously the rational thing to do would be okay well how do i solve it what are you looking for but uh, feedback never uh, was never concrete it was never substantial it was very airy fairy and um that started with okay being terrible on feedback and then it sort of uh, snowballed into awful emails so uh, even to a point where there was an abusive word in an email and I mean that's just a no-no regardless of where you work and who you are and what level you're at you cannot abuse a colleague or a client or an associate that's absolutely unprofessional mm -hmm. uh, but it would you see the thing is it would be all right if the if the fault finding was legitimate Right. But because that pressure of fault finding started building up, mm -hmm. I automatically started making faults. I started missing stuff and I started making mistakes. And, you know, when it's like mm -hmm. one of those things where if you're constantly scrutinized, you're never going to get it 100% with somebody breathing down your neck all the live long day. Right. Because you think, you, I mean, that also shoots your self-confidence down. Like, I'm, I want to say a notch, but I'm going to say 10. Yeah. And especially yeah. when you're that young and that impressionable. I mean, I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. It's um, it, 
you and you know you think you can handle it but it's only now in retrospect that i realize i didn't handle it i did the best i could but the fact of the matter is i wish i could have done it better so for example um it's first started out with the client telling our ceo that she wants me off the account okay but the thing is to the ceo this account is running smoothly he does not understand why you want me off the account and mm-hmm. then he realized it was an ego battle right and so his ego versus her ego he said no i'm not going to take her off the account she's one of the best people we have you should be lucky and then i got caught up in that ego battle ideally speaking the best case would have been to take me off the account yeah yeah not for any, not for anything else but for my own sanity which i only realized now but back then it was like okay you know trial by fire you have to rally also you must remember we when i was in pr it was we were clients were ruthless with us if you think clients are ruthless now i mean they use they could drain the living life out of you <laughs> i remember that time peter <laughs> it was just it was just so painful and so she so she went on doing this for a year a year and a half they refused to take me off the business so i had to work on the business with this woman on a daily basis constantly criticizing patronizing and just being down and just downright berating me for no reason and i was taught you know you don't especially at that age when you don't come from a place of experience or advice or even wisdom that just shut your mouth leave it alone and you know the higher ups will deal with it right which never happened. so nature took its own course she left the client and joined another company and we ended up giving up the account then which i was like thank you very much could have done this 15 months back but no <laughs> yeah account up and um, in the interim we won another account who the head of communication was another disgruntled employee of the agency so when i realized that she's disgruntled i knew from the get go i was like this isn't going to happen again mm-hmm. i made sure i set the boundaries but the thing is by then this it was already 2013 i had like whatever damage needed to be done was done so i reached a point where i had gained a tremendous amount of weight from being social i used to be in bed the entire weekend and even my folks i don't think i can't blame them they didn't get it because they must have looked at me saying you know she works 20 hours a day obviously she's sleeping through the weekend she doesn't get to sleep mm-hmm. but there were changes in my behavior there were changes in my routine um things that should have led them to believe that there was something else but they used to also look at me and say you know beta why don't you just quit like it's mm-hmm. not a big it's not nothing is worth you being this tired and i never knew why i didn't quit mm-hmm. uh, i just i was hanging on for something bigger which did end up happening right. but by i was so depressed uh, i could not control my emotions in social situations like the only place i could control my emotions were at work and that's because i was trained to do that and so mm-hmm. when i would be um non in in personal social situations it was especially when i would drink or i would go out it would just become so hard you would never know how it would manifest right and um so that led me to four i was five, i went five years uh depressed which then manifested into anxiety uh, without any treatment luckily before i could burn out 
I got in to do my master's, so I got a break from everything. A whole mm-hmm. new place, whole new routine, whole new country, whole new lifestyle, and that was quite strong enough to get me out of it. But when I finished that program and realized I have to come back to work, I did not want to fall into that same that same cycle because the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter how old you are. If somebody constantly brings you down all day long, at mm-hmm. some point, no matter how strong you are or what position you're in, it will get to you because you're a human being and taking it personally is what being a person is all about. Absolutely, so, yeah. So it's, 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 the fact is if we don't curb the way clients deal with us or colleagues deal with us, a big part of that depression and anxiety um, well-being is eliminated mm-hmm. because you're just focusing on the process of cure, but you haven't even realized what the trigger is. Right. And I, when I, before I moved to Bombay, I decided that I would get on medication because obviously, uh, unlike every other organ in your body, your brain does not regenerate. And so it meant I would always have symptoms of anxiety and depression. But if I manage it and I learn what those triggers are and I figure out what it is that troubles me or what are the things that make me anxious, I can make a conscious effort to avoid them. So to medication, moved to Bombay and lo and behold, I had a, a pretty mean boss in my first job here. Oh boy. It was, I don't understand what it is. But I have to admit that this was probably one of the greatest lessons of my life. Yeah. I'm talking about my Bombay stint because my boss used to just yell at me randomly. Mm-hmm. And when she would yell, I would smile. Because the oh. fact is, I have to be honest, I never knew why she was yelling at me. All my work was done and it was done on time. So I never used to have the context to her yelling. So I would mm-hmm. just smile. And after six months, she realized that no matter how much she yells, one, I'll always do the work on time. And two, I would still not say anything. And mm-hmm. one day, six months later, it's like somebody just flipped the switch in her head and she just started being nice to me. It made no sense. For like the first three weeks, I was just walking on eggshells. Like maybe she'll snap today. Maybe she'll snap tomorrow. But it never <laughs> happened. It never happened. Uh-huh. And she started becoming fond of me just in time for my um, contract to be up. And she knew I was not going to renew. But this woman who six months ago could not stop yelling at me for, I still don't know what reason. By the end of it was like, please don't leave us. And I was like, oh, hell no, I'm out. (laughs) In the agency, I make it a point to tell clients that I'm working with, that they're not allowed to be mean to the teams. They're not allowed to be, uh, they're not allowed to be condescending and patronizing. We're Mm -hmm. all learning. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, some days are worse than others, but please remember that actually it's not sticks and stones. Words can break someone. And until as corporates, we don't accept that and action it, Mm -hmm. the other efforts that are going in into the cure of mental health health and well-being will pretty much be uh, redundant because the point of mental health is for you to get down to that trigger. And if you're constantly going to face someone with a trigger of 
a client who can snap at any time and who snaps for no reason and has has um, exorbitant expectations that are unrealistic, mm-hmm. we are never ever be able to get to the crux of this. So it means that I'm not saying that we should be firing clients, but I'm saying we should be pulling them up for mm-hmm. being mean to our because all said and done, it takes a certain amount of constant negativity to bring somebody down who's young and passionate and has the energy to run your account. And then all of a sudden you realize they're demotivated, dejected, and in their words, they're not thinking creatively, but you have not realized what you have done to this person in that throughout that entire phase and what has led to their behavior change. That maybe today after 12 months of working on your account, your team is upset that they have given you so many ideas that don't come to life. You don't mm-hmm. realize how demotivating it is. And then it's not that you thank them for their efforts. On the contrary, you then end up saying that you're not thinking creatively enough. It's okay. We're human beings. It's all right for us to be tapped out. And I think it's time we show clients that or at least at least encourage them to accept it. Because if we're not going to start acting on this, this is constantly going to be a problem. And it is always going to be the root cause of attrition. Tell me something. Um and I agree with you 100% because I face similar situations uh, being on both sides of the fence, I have to admit. Uh, not as a client, though, but as a colleague, as someone who has been, I won't say taught, but I picked it up, uh, was that if you have to get the job done, you have to get the job done regardless of how you feel. And uh, it took me a while to figure out that that's not that's not the best way to go about it. But do you think it's because we've just been conditioned uh, a certain way where we've just been like, this is how the industry is. This is how cl- uh, this is how work in general is. One person's going to yell at you. You have to get the job done one way or another and, you know, suck it up and deal with it. Um, and that suck it up and deal with it is the one line that um, I, I would say has worked out has not worked out either way uh in my case because i've given it to a lot of people and i've seen the effect it's had on them and i've given it to myself uh as well it came from me uh and i've i've seen both positive and negative effects of that so do you think it's because we've just reached a stage of uh if it ain't broke don't fix it or is it, if it's in, if it's if it's that thing it isn't broken enough, or we just don't know. We just don't know how to fix this. Actually, I think it's a combination of all three. Um, suck it up. You have to do it. Is a slippery slope. Um, mm-hmm. It's sorry. It's a double-edged sword because yeah, it can be very empowering to just be detached from something, but at the same time, um, it's also demotivating to know that you have to detach from something you wouldn't want to be detached from. Right. So I think honestly saying suck it up is really shitty advice, even though mm-hmm. I have given it myself and to myself. Um, uh-huh. And that's only because uh, I'm a strong believer of people don't change. So when people don't change, to keep your own peace of mind, you have to figure out little cheat codes and little mechanisms mm-hmm. to kind of put them in a certain boundary and that could mean well the first time you don't say anything but maybe the second time you do 
And it doesn't have to be mean and it doesn't have to be rude. It can be as simple as I don't appreciate you speaking to me like that. Right. Right. Um, the other side of it is, OK, you suck it up and you don't say anything. But then you'll have to look at, well, is this behavior escalating? Mm-hmm. Is it just you? Is it a personal agenda? Is it how this human being is with everybody? Then you have to see, well, is how this person is with everybody, is it affecting everybody? And if the answer to that is yes, then suck it up is not the piece of advice you give. You have to right. tell the client then that you need to understand that if you don't hang back, you will lose an entire team. And you might blame it on team performance, but they will leave because of client expectations. So both parties are to blame. The only mm-hmm. difference is as an agency member, chances are you will have to take responsibility and usually that responsibility comes from you switching to another account or joining another agency or even going to the client side and you must remember when disgruntled people get into a role of power if they don't know how to manage it they will do the same thing to somebody else so yeah we say suck it up and deal with it mm-hmm. we're not and i just think suck it up and suck it up and deal with it should not be the first piece of advice the first piece of advice can, can be confrontational, but, but you see, again, confrontation does not have to be a showdown. Confrontation mm-hmm. is also an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just been given a bad rap because it comes across as very like adversarial, which it is not. So if you can have those conversations, then you don't reach the point of suck it up and just deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who can suck it up and deal with it, and there are people who cannot. So another part would be identifying who is capable of detaching and who is not and working to working to both of those. But the overall rule of thumb is we should not be telling anybody that it's okay to be spoken to rudely or badly or to be mistreated or that's mm-hmm. just what life is because that's not. We yeah. are we're not raised to be mean and 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 we're not raised to bully. We're not raised to be uh, hurtful and we're not, and this is the kind of hurtful that can affect somebody's entire personality. So if we're not raised to be like that, we should not be endorsing behavior like that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, even after giving myself advice, like suck it up and it's just a part of it. Uh, with me, the suck it up, it's just a part of it helped turn this person in, who was completely sour with me into realizing that she has no reason to be threatened by me. So mm-hmm. maybe you know, this worked. Um, would it have worked when in my previous situation? Probably not. Right. Even though that's exactly what I did. I just suck it up and did it because work is work is work. And, you know, the work had to get done. But then mm-hmm. as you as you grow and as you realize that the fact of the matter is the world will not stop. And it's OK if you can't do it. This is where, you know, the trust that you have with your colleagues should come in, where Mm -hmm. you can be like, dude, I can't do it. Can you please help me? And you don't know what comes out of that. So, um, yeah, I don't think suck it up and do it is the way to go about it in retrospect. Right. What about about a response like have patience? Because here's where I feel that a lot of, uh, and this is just opinion, it's, it's definitely not fact. Um, here's what I feel that some of the some of the people who are working or dealing with situations like these, when they're looking at their managers, uh, myself included, which means 
I am looking at my, my my managers and people are looking at me who people who I manage are looking at me um, to solve a situation but they don't see a change so is does that mean like how does one deal with that situation because sure I get it that there is a business decision to be made which is important especially especially right now uh, when we're in the middle of a, I mean let's just call it what it is it's we're in the middle of the the biggest financial crisis that anyone has ever seen and business is important so what do you do in a situation like that where you have to where you essentially the only go-to response you have is have patience we'll figure it out and nothing happens set a deadline for your patience mm-hmm. that as of this day if it does not change you should act on it right because if you say give it time, what? How much time? Mm-hmm. Not all of us. And again, it boils down to like we're all of this efficiency we're seeing in that we don't have time to waste. The fact mm-hmm. is, nobody has time to waste anymore, especially in a time like this. So I would rather, um, if it's a new client that you're onboarding, obviously, you know, you do have that three-month teething period where you're getting to know each other and you're trying to understand the dynamic of the relationship. And I would yeah. think any, any client agency relationship, you should give it those three months because it does take us three months to understand their rhythm and for them to understand us. So I would say if you could quantify that period of patience, mm-hmm. that'd be perfect. Um, right. The way is then you have to think of alternative solutions. So in my case, I thought to myself that if after, if after six months and I this I realized when she switched into being a nice person mm-hmm. that. I don't know if this is permanent. If this is not permanent, I will raise um, I will raise the alarm to my to her superior saying that I cannot work with this person. Mm-hmm. And not because I have a problem with this person. This person seems to have a problem with me. So perhaps it's better if I get out of their way. So also thinking of alternate solutions, like if this client and this colleague does not get along, can I put this colleague elsewhere? Is there somebody else who can take on this client? And honestly, we have so many people in our agency that take on some really strong personalities. And these are young, um, energetic, vibrant people. And the reason clients also take a liking liking to them is because of that energy that they bring. So I would like to think if we were to say, well, you know, six months we take stock of how the relationship is going, is the team still, you know, is the team feeling bogged down? Are they feeling dejected? Are they feeling demotivated? Um, Is this going to lead to your people leaving? Mm -hmm. Then, yeah, six months means you should take a decision. But six months, enough time for you to think of an alternate for that business. Mm -hmm. So if you set a deadline that gives you enough space to work out a solution, should this not uh, come to fruition, I think then, yeah, then you can tell somebody to be patient and you can tell them how long to be patient for. Mm-hmm. Because the worst, about, the worst thing about telling somebody, just give it time and not telling them how much time it's going it, to, that's the worst thing you can do is it's just the uncertainty, right? Isn't that what right. what's driving us crazy right now? It's the uncertainty. So mm-hmm. uncertainty in anything is is not recommended. So if you're asking somebody, to see that if this relationship continues to go sour or if this person does eventually warm up and acclimate to the way we're working, Mm -hmm. then yeah, 
in six months, we'll reevaluate the situation. And I think that gives a little bit knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, which in certain cases might be that the client turns out to be absolutely fine and the relationship is great, mm -hmm. or that it doesn't gel. It's a lot of time for you to think of a backup where you don't right. risk losing people or losing the client. But mm -hmm. that means there is still no reason why, even during this give patience time, that the teams cannot tell, that the teams should be telling clients that, dude, it won't work if you talk to us like this. It won't work if you send them emails like this. You don't realize the simple value of a, a hello, a thank you, a good morning. It's, mm -hmm. these, are, these are small words that have a lot of power. So don't be a dick, man. Say thank you when somebody's done something for you in a really short amount of time and mm -hmm. done it to the best of their ability. Right. That's so it, it would be two ways. You have to you have to call it, you should call it out from the moment you see it because I think otherwise you're going to just set the precedent that way. You call mm -hmm. it out, you set the precedent. You don't call it out, you set the precedent either way. Right. And if people don't change, then once the precedent is set, kind of leaves you in a lose-lose situation. Hmm. That is true. That is true. But okay, coming to the point of setting precedent, because that, that leads me to an interesting uh, space. So the thing is that you will have, you will have certain clients who sure expect you to deliver in a certain period of time. Uh, you can negotiate, but you try and deliver earlier on time, knowing earlier than, than the designated time, given that you want to, I mean, given the age old uh, learning of don't under deliver, <laughs> definitely don't over promise. Yeah. Yeah. You right? under promise and over deliver. Yeah. But then slowly that just becomes a norm. And it's difficult to maintain that. Like, uh, I'm trying to understand the sustainability of a situation like that, where you're expected to deliver before time, before natural time, and even your negotiation powers go for a, go straight out the window uh, when you tend to deliver ahead of time. Everything we do is a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. But, again, I think it is... See, in certain situations when you can deliver on time, deliver on time. On certain situations when you need more time <clears throat> instead of waiting, um, ask upfront for that extra time. When they say, no, we need it immediately. So there are two ways you can go about it. One is if you know it is something you can do and you know it won't take you time. And you feel like, okay, I'll do this one for you. And you call it out as it is. It's like, okay, I'll do you a solid this time. And I will turn this around because I know it's important to you. So you mm. set the precedent that way that this is a one-time thing. And I will right. deliver to you in that in this short amount of time because of your necessity. So that's mm. one way to go about it. And the second thing is when people say that it shouldn't take you that long, well, then challenge them. Say, okay, but if the quality is compromised, then you can't take it up with us. Mm. Because sometimes the thing that allows people to realize the repercussions is showing them what that repercussion is. Is okay, I'll give it to you, but it's not gonna be as good as I'd like it to be. So if you're okay with that, cool. Mm. 
and you've kind of given yourself the leeway to do a little bit of a not not such a rigorous job. Right. So again, I it's always at every step of the process, regardless of how old the relationship is, and this I mean not just professionally, even in your own personal lives, we set expectations. You know when you're going to go out and see your friends. You know we, when you're not going to go out and see your friends. And you tell your friends, I'm not coming out this weekend. You've set, you've managed the expectation. And you do yeah. it every time a plan is made. You have to apply that same logic in the workplace that every step has to have expectations managed. Because you don't know what the result of the next step will be. But if you manage the expectations ahead of time, you've given yourself room so if it means that you need more time, you've given yourself that buffer. If you think it's enough, it won't be as successful as the client is making out to be, making it out to be, then you've covered your bases. Mm -hmm. So if you set expectations every step of the way, then mm -hmm. that gray area of, well, is this the precedent doesn't arise. Right. And I think it's important to remind, see, we are always taught that, you know, we have to be there for our clients. Mm -hmm. Are, do you think our clients thought that you have to be there for your agencies and you have to be there for your partners and your vendors? No. <laughs> honest. I'm sorry. I've been on the client side and I've never heard anybody say, oh, we must take care of the agency. Come on, let's just call a spade a spade. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. But we're all human beings at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So just because you are a client, you are paying me for a service that I'm offering you. Don't forget, I'm, I have also put it, I've also invested a significant amount of time, energy, and money into the service I'm providing you. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, if I'm, if I can be respectful of your job and what you do, I would expect the same from you. And honestly, if not, I am the kind of person who calls it out because it just won't work if you're constantly disrespecting each other. So mm -hmm. clients are now seeing the value of agencies being ahead of things. And the thing is, we are always like this. It's not very different from what we do on a daily mm -hmm. basis, but you must realize that on a daily basis, things come up. And so certain things become, uh, they deprioritize or something else becomes uh, more imperative for us to finish. But if the client can allow, if we can allow that from a business point of view that you're gonna change the brief three times in this week, we should be allowed that same leeway. Right. That things can also change from our end. It's not only you that has um, that has peaks and troughs. We have the same thing. And if, again, this is, is it's all about that, it's all about managing those expectations. Mm -hmm. Tell clients that you need 24 to 48 hours to turn around stuff, but, in that case, as the agency, then you have to make sure that you have four, in 48 hours, you do a bloody good job. Yeah. Because the only way you keep, the only way you'll earn it is if you deliver it. So mm -hmm. if you're saying 48 hours, you better make sure after 48 hours, you're putting up a quality piece of work. Mm -hmm. That way, the client can't say anything to you because right. you've done what you have to do. Right. Because it does go both ways. From the get-go and know what you're promising and make sure it's make sure it's within your abilities. And if it's not, reach out for help. Even if that means asking your client for help. I, we, we so easily take on the work of corporate comms teams. But if we have to ask them for help, it terrifies people. 
Why? It's your business. You know more about it. You sit with the CEO. You should be telling me things. I should be allowed to ask you. Mm -hmm. I should not have. You cannot assume that I know everything and you cannot get upset if I ask you an obvious question because it may seem obvious to you. It's not obvious to me. And that's the beauty of working with people who have different perspectives is you all see what the other does not. Right. Tell me something. So two situations, if I were to put in front of you. So for example, uh, I, I'm sure this applies for managers and, and leadership as well. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to the perception of them being a client for uh, for the teams, right? Let me let me explain that. So, for example, you the the person that you spoke about, right? The the your boss at a at your previous agency who started off with yelling, right? Right. Um, is that something that we as people working in this industry have just picked up from our clients or is it something that's just conditioned into us? Because I do find that a lot of us, uh, a lot of us in agencies, including my previous one, um, were so accustomed to someone or the other yelling just to get the job done. Like it became a norm. So is that something that's, is that something that we have picked up, um, while working with clients? Is it something we've picked up as a way of, uh, as as something that's just normal? Is that something that we just don't appreciate our fellow colleagues enough? Or we just don't understand? Like, where do you think com uh, that comes in? And how do we change that? Uh, unfortunately, that is a very individual thing. So mm -hmm. from the previous experiences, there were ex ex-employees who were disgruntled, who got into positions of power and then kind of replayed everything that they went through with the teams that they were overseeing, right? All of a sudden, they were the client and so they expected the agency to treat them the way they had to treat their clients. Mm -hmm. So the individual thing about this is, this could go one of two ways. Now, uh, speaking for myself, after being and I, and I didn't know what it was back then, but after basically being bullied, um, I made a promise to myself that I would never do something like this to anybody because I would never want somebody to go through what I went through. And I would never want to be the root cause of why they're going through that because you don't know the battle somebody else is fighting and you don't know how, how much of an impact that could have on their battle, the way you have behaved with them. And I... Uh, while it is a normal that has sort of come about that, okay, if this person is good at what they do, let them do what they, let them behave the way they want to. One, yes, that in some, in certain situations that has been accepted, but I think over time that has started to change. People are calling others out on their behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it's, um, it's an individual thing. There are people who are mean and there are people who are not, and there are people who are in the middle and, unfortunately all kinds right mm. all kinds of world it's one of those things that we've, we've not accepted the behavior as the norm we've accepted the personality of that person as their norm is what i would yeah. say because i don't think generally any company for that matter would be running around saying oh yelling and negative enforcement gets shit done it does not so 
Nobody <laughs> was obviously, you know, proactively promoting this. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, maybe for that person, knowing that, okay, if this is how they are, then so be it. If yeah. they're doing the job and they're doing it well, okay. But then, again, you have to look at that and wait. Is it affecting my people? Is it affecting their motivation? Is that motivation not being seen in the quality of work that's being delivered? Mm-hmm. And you have to keep looking at those signs because a lot of times, by the time you see the signs, it's a tad too late. Mm-hmm. Like you really reach the point where the team is burnt out, bored, disgusted, um, downright sad. You, and it's because, you know, you should have done something three months ago. Right. But in set how much time you ask them to hang on for. And so now because three months later, when they don't have a deadline, it potentially means you could lose people. Makes sense. I don't think we should accept rudeness as the norm anyway i agree with you there completely it's just one of those things i i do think if you say thank you and please people are people are more receptive they are more human than they'd like to believe and Mm -hmm. sometimes i think they forget that that's true all right so i'm gonna move to my second last question um which is going to be just how do we sum it up for if we were to break it down audience by audience <laughs> i can't believe i'm using the jargon here but if i were to break it down audience by audience for, for someone who's uh for someone who's managing a team for someone who's part of the team uh and when i say someone who's managing a team i mean leadership and man and middle management and clients how would you want to i mean what are the first first few steps that these guys can take to at least get out of this funk that we're all in that bad behavior is accepted so would this be an existing client or would this be a brand new client because in both cases it would be different i'd say both let's give both okay so let's look at a new client because it's easier Mm -hmm. um to set the process uh what i've personally done is when we've onboarded clients i've asked them what is their what kind of turnaround time they expect from the agency uh that we said we said we they're paying us a certain amount we have certain deliverables in place if Mm -hmm. we can make sure that we keep track of the deliverables and we know that we're not being overworked and we're not over delivering because Clients also need to understand that it's not a good thing to be in the news every day, even as mm-hmm. much as they'd like to impress their board of directors. If you're in the news every day, there's probably something wrong, even mm-hmm. if it's all news. It sounds like an SEO exercise then. <laughs> yeah. But with clients and teams, you set the precedent of turnaround. Um, you can set the precedent of engagement. So mm-hmm. for the teams that I work with, I have told all the clients that WhatsApp is not considered official correspondence. So if you yeah. brief my team on WhatsApp, I, they will not do the work. I want an email mm-hmm. because the minute clients get that. And remember, we come from the generation of phone calls. So our mobiles used to ring and the line line used to ring and they would ring simultaneously because the media would be calling on one phone and the client would be calling on the other phone. Oh, and then text you and now they can text you they can whatsapp you they can message you they can do so much 
it's it's just way too many platforms mm-hmm. for me i say everything is on email no chasing on whatsapp no briefing on whatsapp no following up on whatsapp everything has to be has to be done on email so that one you are asking me in your official capacity mm-hmm. two if if the fault is in on our side then we should rectify it and i won't be able to see it on whatsapp also mm-hmm. i think that whatsapp is very distracting the minute teams have to answer clients on whatsapp it breaks their train of thought on the work that they're doing and clients don't seem to see that mm-hmm. there yes you have another avenue to communicate with us you don't need more than one email is enough then the other thing you can do is you set expectations so uh, with the teams that i work with i've always told them if you get a client email the latest you can respond is in the 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 longest amount of time you should take to respond is 60 minutes i cannot have you delay emails because right. clients get antsy when they're again when it's un- when they have no visibility on delivery so it's the uncertainty that drives them crazy mm-hmm. so if you respond to the email within the hour then you're maintaining that period of uncertainty it's then if after the hour something has happened then you just tech then you can tell your client listen we're running late give me 30 minutes more but again it's about quantifying everything you do so asap is not a deadline okay mm-hmm. asap which physically means which actually means as soon as physically possible is does not mean now it means as soon as you can physically do it so <laughs> when your client says asap quantify asap mm-hmm. give it to you by 3 pm right if they say no earlier ask them for a time mm-hmm. if you can set measurable timelines goals boundaries it just makes it easier so with new clients you set the you set the uh, expectancies you set the expectations in terms of delivery in terms of turnaround in terms of support in terms of senior involvement because you know what young uh, pr people are very proficient they don't require senior involvement and i think this is a very hierarchical thing that clients have that it's only the top who knows no i don't believe in that either in fact these are it's moments like this when we should be empowering our teams mm-hmm. to take because they're on the ground they know things better than we do yeah so trusting them to that also means letting go giving them the autonomy to make decisions and you know what even if those decisions are wrong teaching them how to bounce back from it it's okay not all of us have the answers to everything so <laughs> for the yeah. client team side you've set certain expectations if the mm-hmm. first time client is rude to a team member and vice versa because i'm not saying that it's only the client that's at fault there are people in the agency life too who may come across as rude or condescending mm-hmm. you call it a- call it out that this won't work right the please don't speak to my team like this and nobody's asking you to make a public showdown of it in mm-hmm. fact do it discreetly do it person to person human being to human being that hey listen how would you feel if you were spoken to like this mhm it encourage you to work so with the new business you can do that with unfortunately if you look at it from and then sorry new business and when it comes to a management point of view mhm i'm assuming that in this case it is the team leader that is setting these boundaries mhm is that the management has trust in that team leader to run the team in the way that they think is best right 
if a behavior thing gets escalated to leadership, which in lots of cases it does happen, mm-hmm. I think teams need to stick by their principles. Right. If teams fighting your own management because you can't set a precedent to be back to another person ever. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. just makes no logical sense. Right. And so with a current client, it then becomes about changing their behavior. And you know what I said, people never change. Mm-hmm. So you have to make them aware of their behavior. If nothing else, maybe they'll be more cognizant. Maybe they'll be more mindful. And it's okay for you to remind them a couple of times. If, mm-hmm. if they keep acting out, keep telling them. And again, you don't have to berate them on a public platform. Just on the side, dude, come on, ease up with your tone. There's no need to be so rude. You're mm-hmm. stressing things out. They, like nobody functions well under stress. Why would you put somebody under duress and then expect quality work from them? It's so <laughs> often wrong. Yeah. I think that's, I, I, it's, it's the same thing that I said earlier. It has to be about managing expectations every step of the way. Mm-hmm. even with current clients because and there's no reason why you can't start managing expectations now right if it's a completely to, different environment so yeah makes yes. sense if you've never done it before now is the time to do it makes perfect sense because right now you need everybody to be at their best without being physically able to oversee how they're doing and so you have no choice but to trust everyone mm-hmm in a way, it's a good thing. It will. I, w- I hope that one of the things that come one of the things that come comes out of this is we all have a little bit more trust in each other's capabilities and abilities to deliver. Yeah. Because we're not being watched. The fact of the matter is, even if I nap during the day, but I deliver my work on time, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it's again, like you said, right? It's a completely different environment right now. So adaptation is what we're going to have to do specifically and adaptation also means trusting uh trusting the other person to to get the job done without sitting on their head and and hounding them with phone calls going do it do it do it do it do it or where is it 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 it (laughs) yeah it really doesn't no and and people need to realize that um i personally there are lots of and some people by nature are more stressed out than others. It's okay. It's a personality thing. I get it. Mm-hmm. I used to be those people, but now when I'm around such people like this, I'm like, dude, your stress is really contagious. Please go out of this room. <laughs> this is the last thing I need before brainstorming is everybody to be wired up. Mm-hmm. I need them to be, I need them to be mellow when we're brainstorming. I don't need them to be uh, tightly wound mm-hmm. because that's, constrains their thinking so it's also realizing which people are the ones who get stressed out and managing them so reminding them of listen trust me I've have I ever let you down you know we'll deliver it just start breathing down my neck if you call me again I'm not going to answer and it's mm-hmm. okay we are all professionals and we're all just trying to do a good job for the companies that we're working for we all right. have that at the back of our minds and we all need to, and as management and as senior people, we need to 
we need to uh, we need to trust our people. We need to trust that they're seeing things in the same light as us. And if we're not, if they're not, then maybe we are not telling them enough of how much of role they play in the larger scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Right. I am going to go to my last question. And if you're comfortable, uh, <laughs> where can these people reach out to you? Um, LinkedIn is probably the best. All right. Uh, I'm not big on Twitter because if I, I feel like I'm an, so I'm an extremist. I think if I was to start tweeting every thought, I would not stop. Plus, you know, some of my gems need to be for me. Uh, so email, Twitter, uh, email, LinkedIn are the best platforms to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, DK. This was this was so good. And I think uh, much needed at this time. Thank you so much. I really do hope it was helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I just think, dude, just be nicer to each other. Things yeah. will get better. Things will get better. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go back to uh, I'm gonna go back to what one of our uh, colleagues said, and he has been a guest on this show, Ashish. The one thing I think I use a lot now is don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Don't be Absolutely. an asshole. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> I think that's great advice. And you know, don't be an asshole, especially if you've got nothing to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now you know why I'm not an asshole. It's because I have nothing to say. <laughs> Right. <laughs> For someone who's got nothing to say, you said a lot, DK. Well, I hope it was helpful. It was. It was. All right. Thank you so much for doing Thanks this. Thanks for the opportunity. It was so great to be here. 